0: Head to mikereinold.com slash knee for more information and to sign up today. On this episode of the Ask Mike Reinold Show, we have the Internet Myth episode. We talk about icing, we talk about foam rolling, and we talk about static stretching and some of the myths on the Internet right now. The Ask Mike Reinold Show. Helping people feel better, move better, and perform better. Welcome back everybody to the Ask Mike Reynolds show. I'm here at Champion PT and Performance up in Boston, Massachusetts with the crew. As usual, here we got Dave Tilly, Lenny Macrina, Evan Eleven, and <laughs> Sir Nick's alot, our student uh, interns now going through their rotation. Um, Jeepers, this, might be, last week. Week, this might be your last might uh, be your last the last episode with you guys, right? Might be I' up so yeah. You gonna be so, around? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. We'll we're, fine, right. Hey, we don't date the episodes. Oh yeah, June ish. <laughs>
1: <We're> around there. <laughs> we we
0: never know when this will go live. Uh, well, no, we're here. I think it's good. I, I just picked up. So Lenny just got back from vacation. Yes. So the red shirt, red kind of composure is that, and you're down. We are, uh, you look we good, are
1: tanned and burnt. You look.
0: <laughs> you, you look a whole lot more healthy than I do. Yep. You, you look good. Thank you. Thank you. you look good. Okay. Right. No, what else do you want to talk about no. in the intro? Anything? I want my chair back. <laughs> yeah. I was wondering how long it's going to this. how it's so uncomfortable. I'm just going to spin on this episode. I don't Something doesn't feel right. All
2: right. Awesome. All right. Let's roll some questions. questions. What do right. we got? Evan?
0: <clears throat> Everyone's sick of
2: the banter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Question number one is from Jim Horn from Garden City, New York. He says You touched upon icing briefly at the end of episode 22. I have colleagues who say they never use ice as a rehab modality with the claim that it actually slows the healing process. I believe that there's still an appropriate use for it in the clinic. What is your stance on icing? Do
0: you guys ice?
1: Yeah. Ice. <laughs> this is from I ice. ice. I ice. Frequently. I ice. What, yeah, what,
0: what are they teaching you in school
1: right now? I'm you say early on, ice is good. Yeah. Still I good. think ice. I definitely still ice. Ice modulation.
2: So, yeah. uh, this is interesting. Who's not? Who's saying not to ice? I think it's I uh, Gary. I forget his last name. Gary.
0: You don't have to call people.
2: Out. He, wrote I just meant, like, he wrote a book what, on what he nature. He wrote a book <laughs> on it. Yeah. There's a whole there's a whole world <laughs> out there, and,
1: and that's saying it and, it, we want the inflammation. We want the inflammatory process. Don't ice. Let that happen. Um,
2: <sighs> the thought being that ice closes lymphatic drainage, and that because it's a passive system, you need active movement to help shunt out waste products, which doesn't happen through the vascular system. People don't move when they
0: hurt, though. Yeah. I (laughs) I mean, the concept, I I think the biggest thing that, in terms of the internet thing that they talk about, not only that, is the whole anti-inflammation thing, and that you need inflammation to heal and stuff like that. And I think that's great. The phrase we always use here, you know, at Champion is, is, that's fantastic if you just go sit in a cave and not go hunt. Right, you can sit there and let that inflammatory process take its time and get you wherever you need to go. But ice is one of those things we we do to help people recover, to help re- reduce their their inflammation and their swelling, so they can continue with their lives. You know, and mm-hmm. and, and I, to get to my point of like, who's saying not to ice? I, it's, it's the internet's saying not to mm-hmm. ice, and we'll just say the global internet. I don't think anyone. I don't think, you know, that's, that's like a big thing elsewhere. I think if you, you go through the literature, you're going to find plenty of studies that show efficacy of cryotherapy. Right. Um, you're going to, you know, obviously use these in post-op patients like to control the, the pain and effusion that they have post-operatively. I don't see why you wouldn't. Um, what do you, what are you guys learn scientifically in school right now in cryotherapy? Are they, are they bashing it or are they saying there's some efficacy?
2: I learned, I mean, the process basically I want a good balance between inflammation too much. And that if you do have too much inflammation in the joint, from what I learned, was that you're causing stress on the healing cells. So for the cells to be laid down, you know, as a matrix, you know, too much fluid in the joint is going to prevent that process. So basically, too much pressure in the area is going to slow healing.
0: Right. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I don't know. so 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 why do you guys? Or, yeah, I haven't. What they've yeah. already said. I think pain modulation is a big, yeah,
2: a big thing yeah. that helps with. It.
0: In a fusion. I mean, you. you right. I can measure somebody's knee, put ice on it, measure it again, and it's less warm. Yeah, right.
1: There's your. I think it's, an, it's another way that we've taken an extreme position in some aspects, and cards. the pendulum it's is swinging. And just it's yeah. I think there's a lot of communication about it now. There is some research that shows you know some of that stuff, and, and la- it, it stunts healing, it stunts uh, muscle development. But I think overall, I think it's your bell curve, and I think there's like. The ten percent on each side are going to take extreme positions, and I live in the middle where I just do what I think is best for the patient. Yeah, you get, you got to be careful where where what you're getting
0: your sources from, where you're reading your information, and yeah. maybe some bias that they may have. Yeah, how well you know? the study
1: is is can be yeah. a good controlled study, and there's so many different variables.
0: Maybe they're supporting uh, commercial devices that are, right. um, are are competing against ice. Just saying, mm-hmm. yeah. you know. So you really should kind of you know scrutinize those things. But um, all right, so let's, let's summarize. Pro ice or anti ice? Pro.
1: Pro ice. I'm anti, no, pro. pro, Let's get into pro ice. ice, Yeah,
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we definitely ice. Ice every day. I mean, we ice people all the time. So definitely, definitely still ice.
2: Um, All right, what's next? Okay, number two is from Bien Vu. Looks like he's a physical therapy student. Um, He says foam rolling. Do you believe it can deform fascia or affects neuromuscular component of mobility more?
0: Oof, the myth episode. I like yeah. this. So
2: here's here, you here's your latest internet. Sleep well,
0: study. not your latest. There's another internet one. So foam rolling, who's been called self myofascial release. That's probably the problem, right? Myofascial release. It's like we're saying we're releasing fascia. Um, from the physical therapist perspective, did you ever think it was releasing fascia? No, no. <laughs> Like, I know we just kind of called it. I actually like the terminology. People Sounds get fun. it. I, I'm totally fine with the terminology. I, I don't want to trick people into doing things there, but, like, people get the terminology, I guess. I, I don't think anyone thinks we're deforming it, right? Have you ever thought that?
1: I think some people do. I, we, I don't think we do. I think some people do, and I think especially um, your patients or clients probably do, and I think that's what you have to do There's a huge educational component because when I'm foam rolling somebody's quad or IT band, which I don't, Formal IT band, really, at all? Anyway, you know, people come in and say that they're doing that, and you got to tell them why they should or shouldn't do it. And I think it's, you know, I think that's probably the educational component. You can't stress, you can't stretch out. Uh, fascial tissue. I mean, it's just like you need thousands of pounds of force to. to yeah, to. it's a lot. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think you'd die. If you a <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah.
1: So.
0: And, and I don't think it's not. It's not just. It's not just that. I think you also need duration. Yeah, right. you need that. that right. Takes time. Right. Um, Tom Myers from Anatomy Trains, who does a ton of fascial work, I think, has been very prominent on the internet saying that he doesn't think foam rolling, you know, does it or um, you'd, you'd probably have to do, I think he says Mm -hmm. you have to do foam rolling for like years to, to start to see any benefit Mm in, in deformation of fascial tissue. Yeah. You know, scientifically, I don't think anyone really thought that was happening. I mean, that might have been anecdotal or maybe from the layperson or maybe the fitness world kind of had that misconception at one point. I don't think scientifically we ever did it. You ever thought of it that way. So the
2: question is then, do you you like it? Do you foam roll? Yeah. So you're pro foam roll. I'm pro foam roll. Why? (laughs) I think that there's a good blood flow you know aspect to it and like actually water content is a suggestive theory of why it kind of helps and then i think there's another kind of neural modulation theory that like it's just like you're super stiff and you're cranky and just by doing some gentle foam rolling you can relax things a little bit a little bit of a
1: parasympathetic effect makes me feel better exactly <laughs> i mean it's that simple why yeah, yeah, why yeah i don't know why half the things that i do in pt i don't necessarily know why we as much as we think yeah. we know science we don't think we really know why and it just makes me and uh, the clients that I'm working with, they feel better after a workout session. I'm like, all right, let's continue with right. that. If it doesn't make you feel better, let's not waste your time. Yeah. You know, I think it really comes down to it's where you simple. get the same question for where you're getting your information. Cause if you look at Chris Beardsley
2: has an awesome review on everything that's current Yeah, and there's so many competitive theories about what we think is going on. You know what right. I mean? And so it's like, if all the top people are ha- just combating theories in different exchanges, like well, one thing is probably not definitely happening. It's like yeah. a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So yeah, agree.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, that makes sense. It's, you know, it's, it, it, there's plenty of research studies that show that people feel better afterwards there's perceived improvement in symptoms mm-hmm. and discomfort afterwards mm-hmm. there's also plenty of research that shows that you recover better and then right. you get more out of your next workout your mm-hmm. next workout by doing that so I, I, I'm on totally on board with the neuromodulation of pain and all those things but th- mm-hmm. I, there's, there's probably even something else we don't even fully understand really? right.
2: that makes five sense. years from now we'll be like whoa, never even thought of that really. yeah,
0: so awesome alright, let's,
2: uh, let's do one more Okay, number 3. Nick from Dallas asks, what are your thoughts, opinions on static stretching and do you implement it into your programs particularly with patients with tissue extensibility dysfunctions? Second part, many are saying it's bad for you. If so, what type of protocols, duration and frequency do you like to use? I mean, I'll we do this is like a big gymnastics, I guess issue right? Should we static stretch, should we dynamically stretch, should we right. and it links directly to the conversation that we just had about theories what we think is working and I guess another competitive misunderstanding is that people think that one bout of static stretching is truly increasing muscle length which maybe there's some studies that show some passive stiffness reduces temporarily but again we're we're thinking now it's more of like a, a parasympathetic effect and you're getting a stretch reflex to alter a little bit which allows you a temporary change that you can use elsewhere. Now that being said there's also some benefits of post-workout static stretching to help enhance your recovery, to help get some growth factor, you know, movement, like that. So is one better than the other? I don't know. studies that say performance gains are dropped, but that was in a study of, like, a very heavy max lift after static stretching. There's another study that says that once you dynamically warm up after static, it goes away. It's like there's so many different thoughts. I don't think one is wrong. One is great. I agree.
0: Yeah, I, the more research that comes out, I think it's that it's quite overplayed that static stretching is bad for you, right. and, and that's again. And, yeah. and that right? Well, it's not that. Yeah, I guess it is at the end. Pendulum keeps swinging. It's that the internet just. Tends to sensationalize everything. Everyone wants to get their point across very excessively. Yeah, like I guess definitely. that's how you get your point across nowadays. Is you go on one side of the spectrum and you become crazy. The problem is, is we kind of keep changing our minds. We keep doing this, but there's plenty of research that shows there's static stretching is fine and you can you can implement it. It's not going to decrease performance. Those types of things. Um, I will say I probably uh, recommend people stretch less more and more every day. Because uh, I think people are overstretching hypermobile yeah. joints, and they're torquing their joints versus stretching muscles. Mm-hmm. So you ever seen that like super loose person that that still wants <laughs> to stretch their hamstring and like way over their head? And you're like, hey, you're not you're not tight. You should probably stop overstretching. Right. Uh, they're the person that likes that little mechanoreceptor sensation that they're giving themselves that stimulus, and they're doing that because they they feel better initially. Yeah. But over time,
1: that's going to make them worse. Yeah. You I, know, I agree. And I, I... was. When the question was asked, I thought to myself, I don't really do a lot of static stretching anymore. It's, I've gotten away from it just in general. Yeah, um, it's more foam rolling. It's more dynamic type stuff. Um, you know, the perception that you have tight hamstrings and low back pain, I think, may exist a little, but I don't think it's as, as prevalent as we thought it was. So I don't. Do, I'm not doing as much of that stuff just in general anyway. It's just getting people moving. And um, I think that t- tends to enhance things. I think with all of that, we always teach a lot of the young athletes and people that come that consistency is probably more
2: important than intensity. I think people have gotten over the notion that they need to annihilate themselves when they're stretching and really go hard. But I think passive-only stretching or just any stretching thing is not going to change your movement. It's one part of the process to right. then teach you a skill or a motor pattern. So right. if you're doing that consistently and you're <clears> improving that motion, you'll kind of, your nervous system will kind of hold on to it because you're using it. Right. So I don't think it's it's more about one versus the other. It's just it's a one slice of your... Grant program, like for example, or one slice right. of your, your training program. Yeah. yeah,
0: and and for me, I, even the way I personally use it, so both in my my clientele and with myself. So it, we, you know, I have tight hamstrings, right? So I mean, I I statically stretch my own personal hamstrings because they're tight but I, I know they're tight versus it's like a joint limitation or something like that because mm-hmm. I've diagnosed myself or whatever you know so I, I know it's that so when I do that there's a very different way that I perform it so I might hold that for 20 seconds 30 seconds that type of thing um, as, you know static stretching I think back in the early 90s was shown by Bill Bandy to be most uh, effective if you hold it for 30 seconds you hold it for 20 if you hold it for 40 not as effective as 30 30 was the sweet spot or i should say anything longer didn't help right mm-hmm. so you just you know 30 was the sweet yeah, spot yeah. that you do it so 30 30 seconds was as how long you should do it if you're trying to ex- increase the extensibility of your hamstrings over time and just know that's not going to happen one day but it's been shown to, to work so if you do it that way but i'd say the majority of the time i do what i kind of call a fluff I just call it a fluff, that's how I document it, right? But like, just like a, a leg stretch fluff, all I'm doing is I'm doing a few reps where I just kind of bring them to end range, hold, hold, come back, bring them to end range, hold, hold, come back. I'm just neuromodulating their, whatever, their pain, their, their sense of, of stretch, whatever it is, and back and forth and you know, just go through a, 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 a you know just a sequence of the legs. So you know, there's, there's different ways to use stretching depending on, on what you want, um, even just statically. Mm-hmm. So. Good, awesome. This, that was a great episode. That was we'll call that the myth episode. Mythbusters, yeah, Mythbusters. The internet's crazy, guys. Be careful. With it. <laughs> that's I okay. mean, everyone's going Absolutely. crazy on the internet. The older I get, the more like I just want to turn off my Twitter feed sometimes with all the sensationalized garbage that's on the internet out there. So, uh, critically assess your sources, I guess, and just you know, I don't know. Keep you know, don't don't take a, a tweet Hold in mind, yeah, and don't take a tweet for scientific efficacy. <laughs> just you know, go to PubMed and look around a little bit. So um, anyway, so we'll end on that good advice. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much, guys. We really appreciate you guys uh, being a part of this. Thanks for listening, for downloading the show, for checking us out on YouTube. Um, uh, Anything you can do to help, like in iTunes, give us a rating, give us a review. That would be fantastic. That really helps out the show and kind of get more exposure to more people so we can keep doing this. So uh, keep asking away with some of those questions. Go to MikeRynell.com and click on Podcast, and we'll see you guys on the next episode.